cliffcentral.com. Welcome to Future CEOs here on Cliff Central, and it's so good to be with you again today. Another Thursday, 1 o'clock, our new time slot. And we are very, very grateful, as usual, to have a fantastic guest with us today. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But let me ask the question, as we do every week, are you a future CEO? If you can say yes to that question, well, then this is the show for you. What do we talk about here? If you are a young up-and-coming entrepreneur and you want to fast-track your business, then you must be listening. If you are that young individual who is sitting in a cubicle somewhere, but you have your eye on the corner office and you really, really want it, well, then again, this is the show for you. It's all about you. We bring some of the best business experts, thought leaders into studio, and then we quiz them, we, we speak to them, we ask them about their journey. Today, we have a, a CEO in the financial industry, which is not always as sexy as it sometimes is made out to be, or sometimes isn't made out to be. Grant, yes, no, I see you nodding a little bit. No, I think that's fair. Uh, Yeah, Grant Field and uh, CEO of Fed Group. And yes, we play in the financial services space. And I think as we chat, you'll hear I had the same perception. Oh, I mean, did you? Okay. You know, financial services sounds pretty boring. And well, 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 help me immediately, though, because uh, when I say insurance, I'm not quivering with excitement. And that's part of what you offer here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of a broad range of products we offer. But yes, one of them is insurance. And I suppose it's like any job. If you look at one layer, that can be very boring, mm. whatever it is that you do. Sure. But as you get to understand what that business is all about and try to really dig in deep how you make it better and how you serve your customer better, all these type of things, suddenly it becomes like a game. It's lots of fun. You okay. get up every morning trying to do something better and disrupt something, change something. Then it's very exciting. Often people like to give the right answers in this kind of environment, in this kind of forum and conversation. But we pick up things in the comments that you make more so than sometimes the answers that you give. And so some interesting stuff coming out there immediately. That's the voice of Grant Field, yes, the CEO of Fed Group. And again, we're so very grateful to have him with us. Grant, tell us a little bit about your history. So let's not get into what you're doing at the moment. Let's talk about your developmental journey and how that brought you to this point where you're a CEO of an organization that's sitting in the middle of Santon. You, you guys are obviously doing quite well. Before we go there, let's go to your background. Sure. I think it depends how far back one goes. It's one of those things that if I were to look where I am today further back, mm. you'd sort of think, gee, I don't know that I could do that. And so it is just this natural development that that each step seems like a doable step. Mm. And one day, yes, you find yourself running a, a large organization. But my journey started from a business point of view in grade one. That's, um, that's really early. That's really early. And I've got a mate of mine. He says, whenever he hears these stories, he just thinks they're absolute rubbish. Uh, okay. And he says, if I say anything like that on an interview like this, he's going to phone in and say this is nonsense. What's his name? We'll block him. Yeah, exactly. Mike Stoffberg. <laughs> Try phoning in and you're not getting through. But it really did start in grade one. And I think that's very fortunate. In grade one, my father started teaching us about business. Okay. And my first business was in grade one, selling stickers to all our friends at school. Oh, right. Initiated by yourself, though? Or was it a conscious effort on the part of your father to say, look, now it's time to learn some of the things that actually are going on in the real world? Well, I wanted stickers. And, okay. and so from a young age, we were taught you get nothing for nothing. Mm. And so my father said, well, if you want stickers, then how are we going to get there? And so he bought the first stickers. Okay. And he just taught us that CP, cost price, plus MU equals your selling price. Mm. 
And uh, and this was our first little business, and we kept a journal and a ledger, and you know he just taught us these very valuable skills. Fantastic, and, yeah. and so that was the first business. And so it really has been businesses our whole lives, just you know just the fun of running businesses. And so through the years, I've run probably a DJing business, and I've actually DJed for many years. Okay, out of high school even, and computer repairs and software development, and so I just have always run businesses. Describe your persona when you were younger. Who were you? What were you? I probably enjoyed DJing because I didn't want to be dancing on the dance floor, ah, so I could be behind okay. the desk enjoying the technology. Looking cool. Uh, uh, more trying to hide, really, okay. back then. Okay. I always enjoyed the technology side. So okay. the mixing desk and gadgets you could play with and, yeah, and yeah. just enjoyed that side of it, I suppose. Okay, the computer business the same. Yeah. And I suppose a lot of what I do today has also got this technology side, even though we're in financial services. It's the part that excites me. Well, maybe let's go there then. What do you mean? There's technology in financial services. I watched a movie the other day where there was an algorithm that made people lose a hundred million dollars. Um, money monster. Uh, so, so maybe that's the tech that I'm seeing. What is the tech that you're talking about? Going back to your question in the beginning, financial services is as sexy as it fun. Mm. No, not if one looks at just as boring products. But when one starts to challenge, you know, how do you disrupt this market? How do you do things differently? That's what gets me excited. And I'm fortunate. I've actually got an engineering background, which is also strange with CEOs. Okay. CEOs were, were, were CAs and you yep. know, some of these type of degrees. Exactly. I've got an engineering degree. Uh, I taught computer science while I was at Varsity as one of the other jobs. So while I was doing my engineering degree, I wanted some money, and I had a full-time computer science uh, teaching post. Mm. And so I've just found that side always very interesting and if you were to ask us what do we do today i'd say we're a technology company with the right licenses to play in the financial services space okay interesting um, every aspect of our business we, we're playing with technology to work out how we do things more efficiently at a, at a lower cost better service and using technology as our friend let's talk then a little bit about your leadership here in this kind of environment and first we'll go to maybe a couple of the early mistakes that you may have made coming into the the role of being a CEO and then let's talk about what you've learned and how you're implementing uh, certain things now at this point in your journey. Early on, mistakes that you made as you stepped into the, the CEO role, maybe some early light bulbs that went off. So I think maybe the light bulbs stepping into CEO um, was an appreciation for just how diverse the job is. Okay. If you look at every job before then, even senior management positions, whilst you had to come up with what you needed to do, you don't get told every day, go and do this and go and do that. Sure. There was still direction, and that direction was coming from the CEO. Mm. And as you stepped into this role of CEO, there's no one telling you or guiding you or saying what needs to be done. This is you coming up with a strategy, you pointing the ship in the direction you wanted to go. So that was the biggest thing. So sure, there's no direction here, and it's very diverse. Um, I want to jump in on that point, if I may. The often large organizations, certainly listed organizations, they're overseen by a board. There is going to be direction, some sort of direction at least, given by the board. In, in your particular case, were you just given a carte blanche to do what you needed to do? Did they bring you in for a particular reason? Was it the skills? Was it your background that they wanted you to come in here and change things up a little? How did you get appointed? Sure. So I think a bit of history is, you know, Fed Group is a family business. And so it's one of those things that one could say, oh, well, you've moved into this position because you, you know, second generation, whatever it is. Yeah, nepotism rocks. Or, exactly. Right? You know, and... 
it's one of those things which kind of made us have to work that much harder. I'm one of four brothers, in mm. fact. And so it wasn't this instant, well, because you're a brother, you're going to, to get in there. And so I've studied more than I probably would have uh, if I was not in a family business. Uh, it had never been my intention to be in a family business. I'll tell you that a bit later. But I ended up coming to the family business, and I have worked in every area. Absolutely every area in the business. Okay, I've which worked. is which is vital, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've worked at the reception desk for a day, for example. You know, it's Very just nice. important to really understand this business. Mm. And so when one when I took over as CEO, yes, there's direction from a board. Absolutely, I've got a great board, but the more a sounding board, if I can call it that. Mm. So y- you need to throw those ideas out there. Sure. And there's a lot of reliance on saying the direction you want to take the company. And certainly myself taking over, I've changed the direction somewhat, especially in the technology route. You know, sure. technology has always been important for us, but now it's absolutely core to what we do. Mm. But I, I want to just highlight this point. I like the idea that a CEO is actually supported or can be supported, should be supported. And I think that maybe it's a, a measure of the type of individual you are and the extent to which you are a good or a bad CEO, but supported or guided by a board, a bit of oversight as well, and then also your executive team. And so there's going to be multiple points of support, opportunity to, as you've highlighted, go there throw some ideas around, see what comes back, and also what comes back on different levels, because different people can see things different ways. Anyway, very nice. Thank yeah, you. Thank you I for think, sharing. I think what was quite fortunate is because we're in a very regulated space, we've got a very mature board. Mm. Uh, we had to. So just because this was a business owned by a family didn't remove the fact that you were in, a, in the financial services space, and therefore we had a, a mature board for the last 15 years mm. or so. And so even the appointment of CEO was a, a multi-year process as as you have succession plans sure. and complex structures put in place to hand over the reins in a, a good, sustainable way. Mm. I just want to go one other place very quickly because you, you said it and I don't want to leave it behind. You said you didn't want to be part of a family business. Talk us through that very quickly, please. I think just from such a young age, we've been taught to do our own thing. And so okay. straight out of university, um, I was already running one or two little businesses on the side, mm. and I started a software development business uh, of my own. Okay. And I worked, and I loved that and enjoyed it. And at that stage, Fed Group had some IT challenges. And so it was at that stage my father sort of said to me, listen, why don't you come and do something in this business? And I just thought, I don't want to work for anyone, even if it's my father. Mm. I never want to work for anyone. Mm. But I said, all right, I mean, this is the right thing to do. Let me go and give a couple of months. And that's what I said. I'll, I'll come and sort out some of these things for a couple of months. But rather as a part of the of this organization? Yeah, I came in as an employee, a low-level okay, employee coming and working in um, yeah. IT at that stage was outsourced. And I actually set up our first IT internally, okay. you know, everything from desktop support to network cables and the like. Mm. And one of my first jobs was writing a website back then and, you know, really just low-level type of things, getting involved in every area, mm. and then just really haven't ended since then. Every day has been a new challenge as I've moved through the organization. And as I say, I've worked in every every single part of this organization, 
uh, to eventually taking over as CEO last year. Again, a conscious effort to uh, going and working in every part of the organization? Was it decided by the board, potentially by some of the family members advising you, say, go all around the business because potentially you can sit in a CEO role or a senior executive role? Is that right? Was it conscious? Was it deliberate? Not initially. I think okay. IT was my initial sort of area and once setting up the basics for the organization, I realize the business has grown a lot as well. Sure. I've been here 12, 13 years. So when I started, we were a part bond company and a small trust company. Mm. And so my first area I got involved in was the small trust company and, and really did things in there. And all the other businesses have been formed while I've been involved. Okay. And so I've been actively involved with, we didn't have a life license. We didn't have a unit trust license. All these type of things I've been actively involved in and therefore naturally involved in setting up new businesses, mm. the processes, the people and the like. Let's go back very quickly to the light bulb moment as you step into the role of CEO. You've spoken about an appreciation for how potentially diverse but then also complex that kind of situation can be. Any other light bulbs or, or maybe what, let's ask this. What was the biggest mistake that you have made being the CEO? I think these mistake questions are, I know when I interview people, I always ask that question mm. and it's, I think every day is not just one decision. It's a, it's a whole lot of decisions that you, you're continuously making. So if you start down the wrong path, I think it's important to quickly correct that. Okay. I, I don't have this big defining mistake moment, but there's sure. been some learnings. Okay. And certainly when I took over, um, one of the first things I really had to get good at doing was delegation. Oh, right. Um, because I've always been a very hands-on person. And to be able to step back from many of these roles was very difficult for me. Sure. Uh, but the first step was getting a good ex- sort of executive team in place. Mm. And I do. It's just the most amazing team now. And it's at a point now where it's not a challenge anymore. Sure. There are natural things that other people are doing just fantastically well. But that didn't come naturally to me. Are you, are you a naturally untrusting person? The reason I, I want to go there is because to delegate really means to trust. And it means to trust the person, their intent, their, potentially their values, but then also their skills. But just, just a little insight here. Are you a naturally untrusting person? If you are, how have you been able to address that? Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say it's untrusting in terms of, I would say I'm, I, I trust too easily a person's character. And so okay. sometimes you get burnt and you've got to be sure. a little bit careful mm-hmm. there. But it's a perfectionist drive for perfection. And so even the slightest inaccuracy, uh, it just bothers me. Okay. And so if I look at our industry, it's run very badly. If you look at pension funds, for example, just huge amounts that are unallocated and what have you. And I've just got the approach that I always try and think of that end client. And so Mm. you think of a pension fund, it's their life savings. How can you not be doing it properly? And so if I see things that are not done but perfectly – I find it, it grates me. All right. And um, so at the same time as I've been letting go, I've used technologies to get incredible measures. So in our organization, we measure absolutely everything, and that gives me the ability to let go. Okay. Because whilst I'm letting go, uh, I, can still, I can still understand what's going on. Who said it? I think it was Lee, Lee Nick. He's the MD of Accenture Digital. 
and he was speaking about outcomes versus outputs. Right. And so often we, certainly in the past, we get uh, caught up in this idea of outputs, and that's where the micromanaging every step. Lots of data. It doesn't mean anything. Exactly. And so rather look at the outcomes, and if the outcomes are satisfactory, well, then you don't have to go back to any individual and try and micromanage them or push them in a particular kind of direction. I think that's what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, and you're wanting to enable people. So Mm -hmm. so if you understand the problem, I'll give you a simple example. Mm -hmm. Years back, I had an envelope, a letter that rocked up on my desk, and it had taken three weeks to arrive from reception to my desk. That's quite a long time. Which is a long time. It's, sure. you know, we're only four stories. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. one day we're a bit bigger than that. But <laughs> yeah. it took, you know, a week per story. And I remember at that time sort of thinking, well, I've used this as an example a number of times. There's a number of approaches you could take there. You can go and you know, just start going crazy and upset about this. Uh, but my approach has always been, let's not blame. If there's a mistake, you never, ever blame. If there's deliberate, continuous problems, yes, you must take decisive action. Mm. And so in this specific example, you go back to root cause. And we said, but how can it possibly take three weeks? And in this case, our organization had grown so quickly that the envelope had fallen behind the box because the box was no ah. longer bigger. The input tray was no longer big enough. And so the solution was simple. We put in a bigger tray, and that didn't happen again. Fantastic. And I think that's just the way in which we try to run the business. Mm. Because you can measure where you've got the problems, you fix them. And I have no idea where I read it or saw it, but I had the role of the CEO once described to me as sort of a big jumbo jet flying over the earth. Mm. So it's got this really big picture of what's going on. But it's got equipment that can zoom in and see absolutely every blade of grass. Okay. And so I think the role of the CEO is you need to have that big picture. You need to know what's going on in your organization. And and those are the types of things. Every day I, I see every cash flow coming through. You, you need to watch. You know, mm. there's 80 mm. bank accounts. What's going on in these bank accounts? All this type of stuff. There's eight businesses underneath here. There's, you know, many, many bits and pieces. But you need that big picture. But at the same time, this measurement uh, capability allows you to, to look at something that's a little bit suspect and drill right down into it and, and get an understanding. So what, in your opinion, then, is the difference between micromanagement and being able to understand the detail that is in the business? What is in the middle here that people should be trying to cut out of their leadership style? So I think that half the problem is that there's this concept called strategy, okay, which is a pie-in-the-sky stuff that no one understands. And so for me, my first job as CEO, I've spoken about delegation, Mm. but at the same time I had to give direction. And so the first thing I did is I said, well, I need a strategy that everyone understands. And so I took time trying to to think of how to do this and eventually came up with this acronym PIG. So our organization strategy at the moment is called PIG. PIG. Interesting. And the P stands for predictable measurement. And so one of the first things I wanted to achieve in our organization was predictable measurement. In other words, once you can measure accurately, you can actually start to predict what the drivers are going to be. The second important thing was to realize that this organization is built around people, and so I needed involvement. That's the I. So making sure absolutely everyone understands the strategy, and the I is for their involvement and what is what is it that they have to do. And the G is for growth. We specifically were on a growth strategy, and 
you know, many people might say, yeah, but you're always in a growth strategy. It's not true. It's not true, yeah. In our organization, the, my father was very successful in diversifying us. Mm. So we were a trust and a part one company, and now are all the facets of financial services. And so there was a five- to seven-year strategy of diversification, building systems, people, processes around all these different things and getting it great. Yeah. Now we're trying to stack them up on our capabilities, so we're trying to grow. Mm. And we actually have got a, a vending machine that we've built. Wait, I've heard about this. I've heard about this. Yeah, the, the pig vending machine. Yes. And uh, people rallied around that, or did they think, oh, hold on, this is quite a stupid thing? What was the initial response? Well, I was trying to say, how do we allow these people to know whether they're performing or not? And so by putting the strategy in this word, P-I-G, and then trying to come up with a measurement mechanism so people knew whether they were succeeding or not. I needed the ability to measure many different things. But ultimately, as an organization, are we succeeding or not? We built into this vending machine that has no coin slots, but it's tied into our administration system. Mm. All the levers line up perfectly. So that is the sales for the day are great. We haven't missed any telephone calls. Um, there's no unreconciled items, etc., etc., etc. This pig vending machine opens up and there's free food. Oh, very nice. And it's not so much about the free food. It's almost like a game. Mm. And there's a cross-departmental teamwork that takes place just trying to get the pig to open. Yeah, and I mean, no one wants to be the reason one of the things didn't line up, one of the gears or mechanisms, right? And we've got the people's, the departments that are responsible for the pig being closed up on a big board for everyone to see, ah. which can only happen if you've got a non-blaming culture. Sure. So this is, a, this is a company where we do not, you know, like the envelope, take the right sort of approach. What went wrong here? How do we fix it? Mm. And so when someone's name is up there, everyone rallies around to get the job done. Very nice. And then every time the pig opens, it ratchets up a level. So it gets more and more difficult to open this mm. pig. Mm. And, you know, we've seen, so in our worst department, we were having 30% dropped calls when I took over. Wow. You know, that's just what they were. Yeah. How did I know that? I didn't know that until we could measure it. So since we could measure that very reliably, I mean, because stats are, are difficult. <laughs> but once we had this reliable me measure and we introduced the pig, some of the successes are zero dropped calls. Zero. Zero. That's if you look impressive. at our client department, not extra staff, not extra, there's no change, but we're measuring and everyone's aiming for this pig to get opened. We've got group risk type of process that used to take seven days and they take seven days in industry. So your group risk quotes and stuff. Uh, we're down to four hours now, Very six nice. months. That's a change. And, and we're continuously pushing. So we're saying, how do we get group risk quotes out in two hours now, which we're not achieving yet. But mm. that is what we're continuously doing. Oh, very, very nice. Let's go into a, a, a quick fire round. Your three pillars of CEO leadership. I think the first has to be people. Okay. So this surrounding yourself with great people. I believe technology. Okay. And I think that that's where a lot of C-level, C-suite people fail. They don't understand technology. Mm. And it's just absolutely vital these days. And I'd have to say processes, like they're the unsexy part of an organization. But support everything. But they support everything. And they do. They support strategy. They support culture. They support um, attitude. So many and, and, and even things like cash flow. Yeah. So uh, cash flow, which is the, the important lesson I learned in grade one when, mm. I, when I ran out of money because I lent, uh, sort of sold stickers without getting the cash first. And sure. I went to dad and said, I want some more stickers and there was no more cash. Learned that le lesson very early. Mm. But that too is a process. Mm. Oh, very nice. Best advice you've ever received? 
I think you're picking up my father's probably my biggest mentor, mm. and and he always says, "I can and I will." That's that's what that's what we grew up being told. Okay. So having this belief in in getting it done, I'd say something along that. No, very nice. Um, can I ask a, a follow-on question? There? Sure. Uh, how have you been able to balance that with some of the realities that are out in the world? So I can and I will go to Mars. Well, actually, Gareth Armstrong, you you can't and you probably won't. Not because I'm stupid, not because it is um, too far out of reach, but rather because it's just not what I'm meant to be doing. I think you have to choose your focus. And can one go to Mars? Yes, I think Elon Musk will. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's just in a world where we give up too easily, mm. it's that attitude mm. because it's not easy. So I look at every business that I set up. So we've got a number of businesses that we that we roll out, we've, we've got another two to three companies we've launched over the last three months. Mm. They don't happen easily. And so that can and will is not an attitude of it will just happen. Mm. It's about through the slog and the hard work, uh, through the slog and the difficult times, you've got to keep that right attitude oh, very nice. and persevere. Oh, very nice. Thank you. The book you're currently reading and the book that you would recommend our future CEOs read as soon as possible. So I'm binary. I, I'm either... Reading or not reading, sure. you know, sure. yeah, sleeping or not sleeping. Ones or zeros. It's ones or zeros. Yeah. So I go through stages where I read a lot, and the most recent business books I've read have all been in the marketing space because in terms of growth, it's the area I'm trying to understand mm. more and better. Uh, the book I'm reading at the moment is totally uh, non-business related. It's a book called Ideas by Peter Watson. Okay. And, uh, you know, three and a half thousand pages, really thick, difficult book. Okay, that's serious, yeah. But helps us understand all the ideas that we have in our world today, whether it be religious, cultural, business, uh, societal, and where they came from. Mm. So it's just a really fascinating read and helps us understand what it is that we think. Okay, very nice. Thank you. We'll we'll certainly look at that 3,000-page book. Wow, that's daunting. Let's, uh, Lynn ask you maybe a final question and maybe we can round off the conversation with this. You're a CEO now. You've been a CEO for for a fair amount of time. You've got a lot of experience in this business, in this industry. Um, you said 14 years or so, I think you said, right? Yeah, not a CEO, but, but yes, no, 14 years in this exactly, business. Exactly, exactly. You're going to have learned a lot. You're going to have seen a lot. If you could go back 14 years, maybe a little further even, what would you say to the future CEO you? That you wish you had known back then. I think you'll notice. I don't. I don't look back. Hmm. I really don't. I. I have very few regrets. My learnings. I get over them very quickly. So okay. I'm very comfortable with the journey I've taken, hmm. and I'm passionate about every day. So just moving forward. Lovely. So I'm not a look back type of guy. If okay. I'm honest. Okay. That's an answer we've never had before to that question, and it's a fantastic answer. Thank you very much. Yeah. And that's the voice of Fed Group CEO Grant Field. Thank you again. Uh, fantastic insights. Gareth, thank you very much. Cliffcentral.com.